This podcast is rated E for explicit. All you want is my hunger. All you need is my pain. Nothing in between ever meant you lost. After the journey I've been on, I realized it's the journey itself that has been the best teacher. After reflecting on leaving Neverland and the feelings it elicits for me, come some pertinent questions. How did my molester, who for many years I saw as a monster, become my friend? How do we deal with the duality of loving and hating the same thing? How do we accept the reality without completely understanding the why? That sometimes the good guy and the bad guy is the same guy. So you made it to part two. You're something special. Look at you. And if that's not you, don't you skip a thing. Before you listen to this, you need to listen to how 4 p.m. changed everything. But hey, Oprah's on. So let the show begin. You met me in the midst of many things. Shedding skin, sprouting wings. Looking at life as a spiritual being through a human lens. Having conversations with God about so many things. This show is your invitation. The Poet God is the conversation. Not everyone has the type of friends that would take this journey that Amon and Gary has taken with me. Listen, I understand that this is some heavy shit to talk about, and... Leaving Neverland, although it is excellent, compelling storytelling, it is also very difficult to watch. So, thank you guys for taking this journey and helping me to tell this story. We pick up the conversation on how an Oprah show karaoke challenge led to a rebirth when I was 27 years old. Being validated mm-hmm. on the, one of the loudest stages in the world, right? Or platforms in the Empowering. world. It's hard to kind of go back in a shell after that, right? You know, it's like, listen, I've been given permission to speak, right? You're never gonna silence me again, right? Because I think one of the things I've heard you talk about, you know, obviously off the record, mm-hmm. was um, being born again, right? Kind of this rebirth. Yeah, was, yeah. It was like your. I can't. How did you? How do you describe it again? I, I describe it as a rebirth. Right. Um, and is this about? Is this kind of the timing of when this happened? Like, is this or is this? Where does that fall in this timeline? Well, the the, the rebirth happened before mm-hmm. the Oprah show um, thing came around. Okay. And I actually, as a matter of fact, if I don't think if that happened, 
if that didn't happen, I don't think I would have ended up on the on the show. You don't think you so that was like that happened before you recorded the piece that ended up ultimately getting you on. Oh well, yeah, the, the Oprah's. Mm-hmm. Okay, because by that time I was already on a journey to, um, you know, kind of awakening, um, mm-hmm. and 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 so forth, and so that helped me where I was going, but I had already started right uh, to go there, and so it was it was part of it. I think I had to be in a space, uh, a certain mindset, in order for that to happen to me. Yeah, and then also um, mm-hmm. having Gary there to kind of push you, give you that right. little bit of a push to say. Um, you need to do this, right? And you immediately saying no, and then he's saying, looking at you again and saying, <laughs> "No, you need to do this." Right? Can you talk a little bit about like the original cat, like maybe not exactly the moment necessarily, but some mm-hmm. of the things that were were could be considered like a catalyst for that rebirth because it happened before these yeah. other incredible experiences. Right. That really, like to your point, like you once you got up to that stage, like mm-hmm. you couldn't go back in that shell, right? But in order to even get there, there wasn't this other catalyst for, to create this oh, rebirth. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, that that happened um, because of another Oprah show um, about uh, where Oprah was doing something about oh, it was a karaoke um, challenge that she was doing. Huh? And Man, Oprah's got some serious challenges. <laughs> Maybe I need to go back in the archives. <laughs> and um, this was at a time when I. I I wasn't doing anything on camera. I wasn't doing. I I I didn't do pictures. I didn't. Do, you know, I didn't want to see myself on camera. I didn't want mm. to see myself. So I wouldn't to 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 record a video of me singing a song was not something I was gonna do. Right. That wasn't something that I was gonna do. And so, um, I, as a matter of fact, Gary did uh, encourage me to do that. I remember that. And uh, and I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not sending no videos and I'm not doing that, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. And so I remember, you know, just being home one day and uh, I said, well, you know what? I'll do it, but I'll only do it for me. I'll do it and I'll watch it and then I'll delete it. Mm. You know, that's because I was, I knew I was going to hate it. What was the song? I don't remember the song. All I want to do is win, win, win. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that was not the song. Not for that. Not for that one. But okay. Okay. Well, that's gonna be a different episode. We'll talk about that one next time. <laughs> Tune in. All right. That was not the song, but um, I remember recording something and then watching it back and remember not completely hating it, and and it was almost like, you know, if you've ever hated yourself or have any self image issues like like I did. You look in the mirror and you just don't like look you don't like what you see. You certainly right. don't want to see yourself on video. Right. You know, like that's the worst thing that you could do. Right. And so it was painful to look at the video. Um because for for the most part for the most part all I saw was somebody that I hated. Right. And so there was a moment though in 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 that, in that viewing that I saw something that I hadn't seen before. That I hadn't recognized before, and so it was enough. It was almost like it was. It was enough of something that I wanted to find. It, it, it sparked something for me to dig deeper, and I was like, okay, there's something there. There's somebody behind that, whatever it is, and I need to. I need to find him. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to find out what that is, and so I kept doing it mm-hmm. for me. Um, 
And I never sent any videos into <laughs> the Oprah show for that. But I kept doing it for me because I, I, I was seeing myself in a different light the more right. I did it. And it was almost like each act of doing it was breaking this um, paradigm of... Self-doubt. Yeah, and hate. everything that I had, all this negative stuff, it was almost like the act of doing what I was doing was tearing it down mm-hmm. little bit by little, mm-hmm. little bit. And it was almost like the spiritual experience that I was having. Right. Um, and it transformed me. The, 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 the act of doing it transformed uh, transformed me it was transformative just mm-hmm. me doing that and becoming whatever it was and seeing myself in a whole different light literally mm-hmm. right seeing myself in a whole different light um i was like wow this is something this is I'm, i must be onto something and i don't know why it's having this effect but i, I could see that the more that i did it it was it was it was i i felt different right um and i felt like i had uh, this whatever this thing was this this lens that I was looking at myself through all these years was a lie. Right. So this thing that you were seeing in these videos was really the. It was almost like seeing the genuine. Yeah. Uncovering. Who you are. Yeah. Who you always had been mm-hmm. for the first time. Right. Let me ask you. So like right before or even during the this process. Mm-hmm. You know, you obviously had gone through a lot of years of watching Oprah and, and, and engaging with it and growing mm-hmm. more and more uh, from it. Were you also still kind of experiencing, you know, these, whether it was reliving what happened to you or like kind of having these feelings of fear from this, these horrible experiences that you had, like thinking about these monsters and mm-hmm. thinking about the power that they held over? Was was that something that was still happening for you or was, or was that... Were you at a point where you had kind of, it was not happening as much and maybe was not directly connected or you may not have, I don't know. I'm just like trying Mm -hmm. to understand where in the path those experiences were were in your mindset and your kind of identity, I guess. It kind of faded um, Mm -hmm. as as, as the years went on. Like I, I lived in New York for five years after coming there when I was 11 and then I had moved to Texas and... Stayed for Texas in, a, uh, in Texas for a much shorter time. But when I moved back to the Virgin Islands um, and not wanting to move back, uh, I had to confront some of the uh, monsters, so to speak. How and old were you? Like, how old were you when you moved I back? I was um, 18, okay. uh, just about. Uh, and um, this was back in 1999. And I remember, I remember that time well because it was, um, you know, about to be the year two thousand and all these predictions of what people were saying was going to happen and mm-hmm. all that. And so I that was around the time when I moved back, and um, I remember wanting to confront the um, the bully that had molested me, and um, it was, was one like, of the first this was things. Like the guy that was the teenager, yes. in the building, right? Yeah. Okay. And it was one of the first things that I did when I got there, um, and and so, what was like? What was the driver for that? Did you want an answer of what why he did what he did? Did you want an admission of guilt? Did you well, like what? Do you have any idea of like what was driving you to be like the first thing I do when I get off that plane? I want to go talk to this guy. What what was the goal? I mean, did you know? Um, I think it was that 
I wanted to understand why. Why he chose you or just why? why the whole anything. thing. Okay. All of it. Yeah. Um and so I had a bunch of different questions. Mm-hmm. Um and so I I remember finding him somewhere and, and telling him that I wanted to talk to him. Um and uh he agreed to have a conversation with me and we went up on the um this basketball court and we sat down on one of the in the bleachers and I asked him um I, I remember asking him if he had did it to anybody else. I think that was one of my first questions. Hmm. Because you- I remember hearing that it's never just one. Right. You from know? from kind of your experience of listening to Oprah over exactly. the last seven years at that point. Yeah. Had you had any contact with him from when you left? No. When you were 11 years old to Mm-mm. when you got back? Nope. Found him and all said, he knew, I need to talk to you. No, all he knew that I didn't live there anymore. What was his reaction when he first saw you? Was it like a surprise? Was it I a think he was very surprised. Was it a like, no. gl- he was not happy to N- see you? Well, he didn't. He, he was kind of surprised because I had been away for a while like right. many years and the last time he saw me <laughs> I was 11 right you know so by this time we were you know adults right and so um i i i think he was curious too about what in the world that i wanted to talk to him about mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so um but i didn't come at him in a in an aggressive way it was like hey you know um you know I, yeah, I want to talk to you. When uh, when are you available? Like you know, and he was like, uh, I guess we could talk. Yeah, you know, so like kind of like cautious, but not. Yeah, right. Like he didn't see you and was just like, oh no, right. this is bad. Right, he just was like, uh, I think well, he was just, curious, just curious, like what is yeah, what's what, up with this mm-hmm. guy? I haven't seen him in mm-hmm. and so seven years or whatever. I had heard um, that he did molest other people from um, somebody, one of my cousins who knew him. And who mm-hmm. lived on the island. Right. And so I was asking him questions, uh, so, some of which I already knew the answer to. Right. And so, um, you know, when I sat down, that was one of my first questions because I wanted to know if he would be able to admit that. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't able to admit that. He said that he didn't. But was he at least able to admit that he, what you recall the experience being was the same that he recalled? Yeah, he was able. He did. He did. Um but he wasn't able to admit that he about anybody else. But he, but as far as me is concerned, yeah, yeah, he did con- concede to that. Um, and in, and the, in the immediate like culture and society of the island that time, or the community that, at least that you remembered of it, mm-hmm. what was the attitude towards stuff like that? You don't talk about those. You things. You just don't talk about no. those things. It was. A, it was even Mm-mm. if it was happening. It was like. Mm-mm. A completely out of bounds, not something you would even discuss. Correct. Which is, you know, comp- on the other side of the spectrum from what you experience in the United States. Oh, Maybe yeah. not necessarily like, yes, definitely within that talk show that you had as a teenager, mm-hmm. but also in open air conversations on the Oprah show, a nationally televised, right. you know, channel median, right? Right. So it's a very different cultural thing that you're you're going through. So you, you were in a very what I would consider suppressed culture around right. something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't ask, don't tell, even if it's happening, like right. we're not going to talk about it to come to the U S where it is kind of talked about, mm-hmm. maybe not still not that much right. then, 
definitely not as much then as now and still probably mm-hmm. suppressed here. And it was it was probably because of those years up until that point of, of, of watching Oprah is why I I, I wanted I wanted answers that only yeah. he could give. Right. And um and um and so a lot of the things that I was trying to find out and talk about, I was I was just kind of asking him because I guess the things that I'd learned on Oprah over the years, I was using it applying on it, him right, right. right. And, and 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 trying to get whatever it was i was trying to get out of out of him um and the things that i was asking him and he really um you know acknowledgement in some ways yeah. you wanted him to acknowledge yeah acknowledge to you but then also what you feel like mm-hmm. you knew and he why did to other people and yeah why, and right? why he right. felt like what what was it for him what was it about for him and he wasn't able to. I don't remember getting an answer to that because I don't even think that he understood that. Um, I think I, I think um, he had said to me something about um, things that were done to him um, as a child mm. and so forth. And 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 I think he talked to me about some of what uh, had happened within his family and so forth. And his mom. Um, dying when he and his brothers were young and so forth and and a, a lot of things that happened as a result of his mother's death and how they were left to fend for themselves because I knew his him and his brothers mm-hmm. well because they were um, they had went to school uh, we all went to the, went to the same school right and through the same school system until I left so I was uh, familiar and so in that moment that conversation was the beginning of him not being. A monster to me, and when I left that conversation with him, I wasn't fearful of him anymore. And it started to his his the story or, or the experience that happened between him and I wasn't just about that moment anymore, because now I was writing another chapter to that story, beginning with that conversation that I was having with him. And so that in this particular part of the chapter, I was the one who seeked him out. I was the one asking the questions. Right. And I was the one who was in control. Mm. And that put uh, that changed a lot, you know, uh, in terms of who he was. And I wasn't, you know, I I, I didn't have to, it it, it changed everything. Uh, Just me doing that with him. um, So it's almost like, because I mean, you can correct me, but like, it sounds like you went into it with all these new experiences and, and really strength mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And again, this is when you're 18. It's not like you, right. You're still on the road, right? You're right. not, right. You're not there. Yet, right. I'm, right. No, I'm not you're, there. You're not this there is, at all. Right. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. but you recognize within that conversation that you felt the being that, you know, being empowered and having some control. Mm-hmm. And although he may not have talked about these other things with these other people, mm-hmm. um, he, did was able to talk about some of the things that were traumatic to him, and so he was able to, in some, in some sense, express vulnerability. Yeah, which sounds like was a moment of like vindication for you that, like, you know what, like this person that was this monster My, yeah, to me that made human. me feel vulnerable, that made right. me feel out of control, isn't in control of his own shit. Right, not you know? at all. Mm-hmm. And 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 it made me see him in a human. Um, like his humanity, right? Uh, in a way that I 
wasn't even thinking about. Right. You know, it was almost like it didn't even occur to me that he was a human. <laughs> right, know? right, right. Because he had been something else for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, just this ugly memory, and that was what that was. And he wasn't anything else other than that to me until mm-hmm. that moment um, where I was hearing all of these other things that were informing who he was and who he was had become and so forth and and uh, and all of that. And so it was eye-opening. Um, and I felt compassion mm-hmm. also um, from that conversation. And so it opened a door, I think because of me feeling compassion for him and his story, opened a door for me to, um, you know, n- not... Uh, to hear to hear him and when I saw him after that to not have that not have it be awkward right not feel um, like it not demonize him as, yeah, as much be- as it was before exactly because he wasn't the boogeyman anymore right. so to speak and I wasn't you know that kid right. in that space in, in the way that it was and so it it was like writing a whole different chapter right um, and I was able to let that moment go Mm. In a way that um, it had held me captive right. in the way that I was reliving it and in the way that it had tortured me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't able, mm-hmm. it didn't have that power anymore. More with Aman and Gary after the break. Like in that conversation or any sub- subsequent conversations with him, was was there a kind of a moment of like, um, guilt within him was there a moment of expression of sorrow or apology? To he you? did apologize in that first conversation. In the first conversation, he did. He did apologize. And it, and it felt genuine. Yeah, it also, but it it also felt like um, like he was struggling within himself also mm. to come to terms with what it meant. That he had done what he had done, you know. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Mm-hmm. I could see him struggling um, with all of that and not uh, being really that. Um, I don't. I don't think he was um, uh, too um, further, al- too far along in terms of him Owning resolving right. whatever that right. is resolving for him or whatever it, yeah. was going on with him. Um, because I think it was still something that he was very, I could see him, he was very ashamed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, and so I, I, I didn't, I thought, I don't know what I thought in terms of like I was going to go, I didn't go, like I said, at him in an aggressive way, but hearing his story and, and feeling what I felt from him in the moment, um, I just kind of felt compassion. Mm. Um, and I didn't, you know, feel like, uh, I wanted to beat him up, right? Even in my questioning uh, of him about what he did to me, yeah. Um, and so I was, I, I just wanted, in a way, to help him, as yeah. you know, as 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 you know, crazy as that might sound. Yeah, you were channeling your inner Oprah. I mean, in a lot of ways, <laughs> you know, yeah. Oprah's like your spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, I think. One of the things you expressed kind of going into it and maybe not necessarily mentally preparing yourself to do this, but you said you were utilizing some of the tools and lessons that you learned from watching the show. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a big piece of that, to your point, was understanding that 
you still have to have compassion mm-hmm. um, regardless of, uh, you know, how horrible or uh, dehumanized or like uh, marginalized this person made you feel right in those moments when you were younger. Yeah. And also when you had already gone and moved away and like you talked about still running from your past, like there was still a huge amount of presence in your life, even though he wasn't necessarily physically there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you, whether you realize it or not. And as you, as we've talked about before, like this whole road idea, right. Mm -hmm. Within the show that we saw and then in your own experience that you're going, you're going, you're going on this thing and, this particular part of it, you were able to kind of summon the biggest strengths that you were able to gain through those those years of watching Oprah and those years being in a different culture of mm-hmm. where you were able to express yourself, where you were able to have the courage to have a talk show and as a yeah. teenager mm-hmm. where you were openly talking about abuse, not in the realm of like it happening over here. Mm-hmm. It happening to yourself, which is like a whole, it's just an incredible level of courage to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Even still while you're working through your adolescence and being a teenager and all Mm -hmm. the other confusion that we all go through at that age. Mm -hmm. um, That's pretty crazy and and pretty powerful that you, you know, you went through that experience and talked to this person and and were able to get to a point where you felt this compassion and recognizing that this guy felt shame he Mm -hmm. felt remorse he apologized but yet he still was lost in a lot of ways oh yeah and was did not necessarily know what were the drivers to get him to that yeah he had these dramatic experiences right but Mm -hmm. he like many of us didn't have the pieces to put together to figure out how did he get to that point where he did what he did yeah and and the crazy thing is, you know, that we became friends after that uh, because that conversation opened a door for me to see him as a human being. Mm. And, um, and and you know, there, there were other things that, that happened because um, I, you know, like I said, this was when I first moved back. And so I had lived there for um, five, six years before I left again. And throughout those years... He, um, you know, was he had became become a friend, mm. <laughs> you know, um, not in terms of that we were hanging out and going to have drinks and, you know, whatever. But, you know, uh, at one point we went to the same church. Um, at one point we uh, uh, we, we we had some um, we, we were part of a youth um, group thing and had activities that were going on. And he was, you know, there to those things. And. We talked and we hung out, he and I, with other people and so forth. And so, you know, it just became a different thing. Dynamic. A, a different, yeah, a different dynamic. And um, uh, it was just, it was, you know, empowering for me mm-hmm. uh, that this could happen. Uh, it's almost like I was living a, a different life, you know. Mm. Um, and, and that this person who was this thing this monster in his first life is a friend in the second life. And how could this happen? (laughs) Yeah. And it's the same person. Right. Right. It's the same person. And so it was, it was, you know, the first kind of um, lesson I think that I had in my life where I realized that somebody who did something that was so traumatic to you could also be somebody who, um, 
uh, played another role in your life where they did something that was good mm. for you and that those things could exist alongside each other or if not but in the same life that this could be you know right um and it's and you know we we started talking about this whole good guy bad guy same guy thing right and he was very much an example of what that was like in my life you know he was the bad guy then he was a good guy and then you know coming down to the end of it is the same guy right you know and so um you know it's funny when you kind of when i tell people that you know i ended up being friends with one of the people who molested me as a child and it was Mm -hmm. the most traumatic thing and then and they're like how could that even happen right you know how could that even happen Mm -hmm. um but it did you know it did happen yeah and part of it it sounds like too is is like within that moment or within some of those moments of having those conversations it wasn't necessarily that there was this one thing that he said or reacted to that was necessarily good or a good a good behavior towards you it was more so just recognizing and seeing this other person mm-hmm. within him that you didn't know ever existed in the first place like, right not right. different analogy of course like kind of this whole karaoke thing that you that you experienced right. where all of a sudden you were kind of looking and seeing something that was genuine that was truly who you were that you weren't expecting to see out of it, right? Right. So, like, almost in this conversation with him, it's the same type of deal. Like, you went into it, you wanted answers, you got off that plane, you were marching to that basketball court to confront him, Mm -hmm. and that experience actually ended up being, you know, not necessarily what you expected. You may not have known what you expected, but it sounds like Mm -hmm. it was very much like a, you know, seeing him in this, like, vulnerable state was almost that good part even though it's like it wasn't a direct goodness right so to speak yeah and you know i life is complicated you know it is complex it is complicated um i i think you know again this whole michael jackson story and everything that has has happened within and outside of that um kind of highlights uh, for me personally um what I feel informs what I feel uh, about that whole documentary because of this personal story that I that I have. Right. And um and and you know interestingly enough, I, somebody who had watched it also had called me and asked me what I thought about it, and I said, you know what, the interesting thing is um is that I I watched it and I believe absolutely that what those men said happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't make me feel necessarily different about Michael Jackson than I mm-hmm. felt before mm-hmm. I watched the the the, the, doc, the the documentary, and that's because I think for me personally, um, I am able to. I know that two truths can exist mm-hmm. alongside each other. That you could have somebody who is capable of amazing things, you know? And then uh, alongside of that, they could be capable of doing some things that could completely be destructive to somebody else's life. Um, and again, uh, life is complex. It's like, what do you do with it? Um, and forget about Michael Jackson. What do you do when it's your uncle, mm-hmm. when it's your aunt, when it's somebody in your own life who you can't, quote unquote, cancel, 
Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, because what it, what, what it would mean to cancel them would be to cancel you. Mm-hmm. You have this whole history with them. Right. That doesn't cease to exist because of this incident or, you know, it, it, it doesn't cease to affect you, uh, affect you, you yeah. know, and, and that's the good and the bad, all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it, again, it, it's intertwined. It's messy. Yep. And there's no, I don't know if there is any untangling. Right. Because how do you untangle that history? Right. You know, right. and, and all, I don't know how to, how you, how you do that. I think you, you bring whatever you honestly feel about all of the different parts of it as much of a roller coaster ride as as that is and then you take that journey yeah and you know it's 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 not easy that's mm-hmm. that's for sure but what are you going to do yeah and i think we you know we touched on this a little bit before whether it was i can't remember if it was the previous podcast or just mm-hmm. sitting on the couch downstairs but right it's also about the ripple effect right mm-hmm. because these experiences that happen to us as individuals also shape our experiences with other people, mm-hmm. uh, with people that we come across on a daily basis that we have many interactions with, and mm-hmm. then also people that we have very few interactions with. So I think that was something that was pretty powerful for me um, watching that show mm-hmm. was, yes, these things were happening between allegedly whatever. Right. That part right. means less to me than just the overall effect of the, of experiences like this, Mm -hmm. but these things were happening to these kids, Mm -hmm. but also there were the things that were happening to the people that were around them, their family members. Yeah. You know, there's the, the, the young, the guy from Australia, like his, Oh yeah. His family was torn apart. Yeah. You could see the pain and and hear it, you know, his brother, like talking about what happened with his dad Mm -hmm. and, you know, feeling abandoned by his mom, his Mm -hmm. sister feeling kind of at the time, like, yeah, I definitely want to go to America and not recognizing that, like in that moment that his dad, that her dad was saying goodbye to him, Mm -hmm. her and like her grandparents were there that was like the last time they were together. Yeah. You know, not kind of digesting that and realizing that at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's also kind of the duplicity that happens within us, right? Like, we as people, and, you know, one of the things you asked of me was like this whole, can you think of an experience, a specific experience about a good guy, bad guy, same guy, whether it was someone in your life, yourself, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. And I think, what I kind of came to was that realization that there's so many times that as individuals, we will do something in the moment. And then we look back and be like, that wasn't me. Right. Like, I can't believe I did that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what was I thinking? You mm-hmm. know, like, and you always kind of have this retrospective, like, I, if I could do it again, I would have done it differently. But the reality is you can't go back. You right. Know? You, you can't change it. And, and, you know, you're not, we are not computers right you know and even computers don't always operate at optimal (laughs) speeds and whatever they're supposed to do no matter how much you try to put the programming in and make it perfect Mm -hmm. it isn't going to be perfect and we don't have the ability to program ourselves in that sense yet right Mm -hmm. um so to kind of go through life and think that no matter how educated you are no matter how trained you are no matter Mm -hmm. how disciplined you are or compassionate or considerate there are going to be moments where you are going to make terrible decisions Mm -hmm. you are going to say things to people that 
you probably shouldn't say to them. You're going to hurt people, mm-hmm. whether it's through your actions, through your words, uh, through your non-actions. Right. And right. Right. in the moment, sometimes you're being pushed by certain emotions. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're there. Lack of sleep, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. it leads you to those moments. And it's just something that's a reality of us. We are flawed. I mean, we're not we're not going to be perfect. We're, right. No matter how ready we are, um, I was. It's interesting. I was in a conversation not too long ago with you know a former um, homicide detective and a, and a former FBI mm-hmm. agent, so to speak. And one of the things they were talking about was you know. Th- the importance of training, the importance of making sure people are aware of what to do in these highly traumatic, highly um, dangerous situations. And mm. that the more you're trained, the more you're capable of dealing with it. And on one side, one of the one of the gentlemen was saying, it was like, listen, I don't care how trained you are. Mm-hmm. There could be a moment that... Sh- you get triggered into something and you got to react and you may not be able to, you will forget your training. Right. Right. And no matter what, we are going to have these situations where yes, we might think we're 100% and fully prepared for them and we're Mm going to do the right thing. But the reality is there's going to be times where you can't do it. Yeah. You know, you, you get, you, you are frozen, Mm -hmm. you know, not, and I don't think that makes you, a bad person, mm-hmm. right? Like kind of like he talks about that good guy, bad guy, same guy. It just means that you're human. You are human. Yeah. And you know, you're not going to always operate at the most optimal level mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of what you perceive yourself to be, what mm-hmm. you perceive your identity to be. I, um, I really f- feel bad for, um, well, you know, for lack of a better word for Wade's mom, mm-hmm. uh, because I, I feel like she, um, is carrying a, a tremendous amount of guilt, as I'm sure um, the other mother is as well. But for her, something about her in particular, um, I I think uh, I wonder if she's going to survive. You know, mm-hmm. because her the way she's wearing the, the pain of everything. I just my heart just kind of goes out to her. Um, you know, and that's the thing where everybody kind of deals with things and carries things diff- differently. Mm-hmm. And I know with her family, uh, the reaction that they had, the, the hatred that they had for her, uh, because of what she allowed, uh, to happen. But I think if from, you know, if you, uh, any of us who've had difficult relationships with our parents and, 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 um, I know for me in particular, I was able to forgive a lot of what happened mm-hmm. to me as a child because when I got to know my parents as individuals and, and not just as my parents, right? you start to see them in a different light mm-hmm. and you start to understand them more as human beings and not just your parents. Right. And, and, and I think that opens the door for compassion and forgiveness and... Um, to not hold them to this impossible standard right. that you did, um, and 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 it, and it changes, I think, your relationship with them and how you approach them and and everything. And so I I hope that he's able to get to that point um, with his mother as to 
understanding where and who she was to a, where she was in her life yeah. and, and what she wanted and what she desired and what she feared yeah. that might have informed how she got in that situation where she allowed that to happen right. the way it did. Yeah, I think that one of the things that was really interesting to me was like in all the conversations around this, you know, abuse mm-hmm. is like you are there's kind of this stage of I don't remember if it wasn't necessarily seduction, but this conditioning, mm-hmm. this preparation for it, right? Right. And one of the, a very interesting point that you know I think it was Wade who made it was we had the conditioning had started before they ever met him mm-hmm. because he was this figure that was larger than life mm-hmm. that was on television that came from another planet in right. a lot of ways, right? right? America is another planet mm-hmm. uh, than Australia probably at that <laughs> point. I mean, I mean, just like Australia is another planet to me, I've never been there. Like, I have no idea what it's like. Right. Um, but you're kind of being brought into this experience mm-hmm. and you're idolizing this experience even before there was even this other interaction. And then on top of that, the way that he was kind of you know, manipulating the situation and, and, and kind of building these walls in between them. One, in one hand, you know, giving these distractions and these tickets and these Mm -hmm. amazing hotel rooms and tours and access to these celebrities for the parents. Mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, kind of, um, creating this me and you versus the world narrative, narrative with these young men, Mm -hmm. uh, where, they don't really know anything better on either side of it. And like they talked about a lot in even the, the Oprah show, like you don't recognize what's happening to you Mm -hmm. as abuse. Right. Until you're much older. And even still, you can even see within even the other gentlemen, like there's this like guilt, like that there's this betrayal. Like I, you can see, I don't feel, I feel like I'm letting, Michael down Mm -hmm. like there's still like this true love Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. because it had been built up so strongly and I don't look at I don't necessarily look at any individual that may feel that way as weak right I don't look at them as broken Mm -hmm. I look at them as I look at all of us we are we are flawed man we are not necessarily flawed but we are complicated it's not it is a it's a very gray experience that we go through in this life. You know, mm-hmm. it's not as it's not as uh, I think rainbows and right. I think people also forget what it's like to be a child. Yeah. Um. I I I, I somebody had you know commented that you know oh they were old enough to know right from wrong and and I was thinking um that, that those kind of comments kind of irritate me because to me it's people still trying to place the burden on children mm-hmm. to not be find themselves in situations where they're going to be molested right and it's 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 just disgusting right um but you're still defining what you don't even have any clue of what's you know, like you have to be reminded to wash your hands after you use the bathroom when you're that age. You have to be reminded to right. brush your teeth. Like you don't right. know the difference between eating or drinking sour milk and regular milk. Right. Like you don't 
That's yeah. something that you're still developing that stuff. Mm-hmm. You have no clue. And I, I, I was just thinking for myself, I remember, you know, again, moving to New York at that age and just thinking how, feeling how scary the world looked to me mm-hmm. at that time. And, 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 and I had to do a lot of things um, on my own, like, you know, walk to school and stuff uh, because my mother had to do what she was doing, you know, walk to the bus stop and stuff like that. And, and because of the environment that I was in, it was a very scary place. I, used, you know, you hear gunshots, you hear, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I remembered that fear of feel like feeling like I was going to be swallowed up mm. by the world, the right. scary world that I was in. Right. And so, you know, I could, I, I think people forget that the world can be a very scary place for a child, and that you know it, they depend on adults to protect them mm-hmm. and um and and not take advantage of them and so forth and and it's 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 easy to say as an adult um oh and negate their experience as children that oh you should have why were you there why did you go back you know all of these things and it's mm-hmm. like you're not, you're you're asking those questions as an adult but you're not thinking like like a child Right. You know? Right. Because especially as a child, like, your world is so small. We'll be right back after these messages. You know, you talked about being in New York and feeling that sense of being swallowed. Like, you still, like, you're in the interactions with the people that you truly knew, like, people's names that you knew was is a very small world. It's a very small place. Yeah. Um, and, at a, you know, at the ages that these kids were talking about, these now adults were talking about it as a seven and eight nine year old like if michael jackson is like one of the is an iconic figure and then you also like have your parents and then you may or may not have other friends in your life or family members like that's it there's no other you're not old enough to have experienced anything else beyond that right um it's kind of like i mean i remember just going from you know, being in a city that was relatively small, but feeling like it was the biggest place in the world to moving out of the Boston area to going to college and like being exposed to all these other people and then going to internships and then since then traveling a lot, mm-hmm. like you're, the world becomes a lot bigger very quickly. Very but with, quickly. With that age, like the world is tiny and every little piece of it, it's amplified, mm-hmm. you know? And I think part of like going through those experiences at that age, like, Mm-hmm. it's impossible to be able to say that narrative of like, why didn't you know is it's a very ignorant kind of thing to say, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Just, you know, just like we talked about, like, you know, making these decisions that um, at, at the time or in retrospect, you're like, I would have never done that, but you did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People also to put molestation in the box, mm-hmm. meaning it has to be this or this or the. Or the other. Oh, also, too, that it's something, too, that if it's not painful, there's no, or there's no physical effects of it, it's not really a big deal. Whereas, it's not always like that. Mm-hmm. It's as you suffer in documentary and stuff. As kids and stuff, or if, or if you, or if you enjoy it, it's not real. Right. Like it was so a real molestation. That, yeah, so right. if a kid is going through molestation and it's their first time being sexualized, and it's something that feels good, that feel good because your body's reacting and all that stuff, 
it can be bad. Right. Because your body's reacting. Things are happening. So as a child, you don't know what that means, especially mm-hmm. if it's the first time or whatever you're right. said that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you don't know what to do yeah. with that. So yeah. you're like, well, this feels good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as a five, six, seven-year-old child, which, which you're not supposed to have those experiences. Right. So as the documentary talked about, the board was talking about how he looked forward to visiting Michael Jackson, but also he looked forward to the experiences mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because at a young, at a year or two younger, he had become sexualized. Right. So it, it's 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 part of the dynamic too that people don't understand mm-hmm. because they're like, well, the, well, you you can't have gone through that if you've enjoyed it if you wait and you want to go back for that again. Right. So so people have that. Um, feeling that it it's something that it's not real, or you you're putting yourself in a situation for this because you want to do it. Right. And as a child, your mental capacity is not even five, six, seven, eight years old. What kind of capacity can you have to really comprehend the situation? Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons. To what your point, I think that's one of the reasons why Oprah said that that uh, that this word. Um, Sex abuse mm-hmm. is has people twisted because when they think about abuse, they're thinking about it has to be some violent rape that you got to right. look like you've been beaten. Right. And oh, the kid yeah. is screaming and it's horrible and they right. hate it and they don't like it. Right. And and then she said uh, that's why uh, we need to uh, rebrand it as sexual seduction because right. then that is a different kind of thing. It's right. it's, it's 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 something that 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 you um, I, there was pleasure. Mm hmm. And if there's pleasure, you know. Right. I remember when she did the hundred men show, and some of the men talked about that, and they were. <clears throat> she brought it up. I don't know where my voice is going. <laughs> she talked about it, and some of the guys who were thirty, forty, fifty years old talked about it. How they, they, they were ashamed that they enjoyed the experience mm-hmm. of a child, mm-hmm. and they couldn't under, they couldn't wrap their head around as a child. This thing happened to me, and part of me enjoyed this. And they're right. trying to understand how is this even the possible? Right. right, exactly. And that right. kind of creates a whole and the guilt, right? Mm-hmm. That they carry, right? And that's why I'm not telling anybody because this happened over and over, and I went. That this happened, so it's my fault because I went and I allowed this, as opposed to. If somebody's raped, and so it's easier to for a point to understand of rape because visually you're seeing something that is forced, mm-hmm. and you can kind of rationalize. But if somebody's being molested over and over, people kind of uh, they can't wrap their minds around that because right. it's like, okay, it happened to you once, you didn't say anything about it, and you went back to this place, you went, you allowed this to happen to you, so. It's part of it's, it's your fault, right? Right. The blame. They yeah. We, you know we we as a society like to have the scapegoat or the one right. thing to point at and blame. Right. It right. was either the parents' fault or the abuser's fault or the one that was abused fault. Right. But guess what? It's we can't put things into boxes right. like you talked about. We have to get a deeper understanding of these things and 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 recognize that like. They aren't happening in a vacuum. Like it's all part of a, a bigger process. You know, they talked a lot about in that show, like 
the grooming process mm-hmm. of it, you know, the building of the trust, then in the building of the, this is our secret. This, and if anybody else finds out about it, like right. we're both going to mm-hmm. be in big, big trouble. It's right. Like, as a kid, mm-hmm. the thought of trouble is like mortifying. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember being a kid and like, if yeah. I got in trouble, like it was the worst thing ever. Right. You know, and now it's like trouble. Like, <laughs> But the other thing I think that people, the missing piece too, to what uh, Gary was articulating is that they don't consider what it does to your soul. They're focusing on physical things, but they're not, they're not talking about the spiritual aspect of how, Mm -hmm. how, how you're, you're like, I think one of the guys said it, that you're murdering these children's spirits when you Mm -hmm. interfere with them that way. And, and that is not some. That's harder. That's harder for people to quantify. They can't put their finger on that. Yeah. What does that even look like? Well, this is what it looks like. That's what they're trying to show you. That it looks like a father who is having trouble bonding with his son and his wife as an adult because this thing happened to him when he was eight, nine, ten. You know, this is how it materializes. His, the way he functions and moves into the world is affected mm-hmm. by this thing that happened. And unless he's able to go through the hard work of healing that wound, is gonna you know it, it, it's 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 gonna he's either gonna be somebody that's crippled by it or he's going to be empowered by it. But he has to take that journey from one t- space to the mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. And then, and again, I mean, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before. Some days he could probably feel empowered, and some days he can mm-hmm. feel completely crippled. And he could feel all of that at the same at time. At the same time, yeah, right. Right. You know? So it's a it's a very interesting uh, experience kind of listening to that or watching the, you know, the two parts mm-hmm. and then kind of watching the the after show with Oprah. And, and it was powerful for sure. And I, you know, when you asked me to be a part of this, I mean, I was humbled, uh, one, because I recognized the the um, weight of it. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to talk about. But then yeah. just the added layer of like. This is something that you've experienced, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. and for someone who hasn't experienced anything like this, it always like you always are kind of the outsider looking at it and you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, my gosh, this is so crazy and heinous. And you want to start to like extrapolate, you know, like to Gary's point, you're like you're thinking about just the physical act of it as opposed to like the bigger picture around it, which is like. The emotional effect, the ripple effect to, to the family members, the ripple effect to the people that you would come across in your life um, and how it shapes you and how it took you until you kind of did this karaoke thing to truly see like something within you that was genuinely probably hidden the whole time. But mm-hmm. is, it was tr- was your true self yeah. and how that was able to ladder up mm-hmm. to the ability to submit the other video that actually ultimately got you on the show, Mm -hmm. which laddered up to this other piece of going on it again, going to Australia Mm -hmm. and experiencing this, this other thing for you that you were able to kind of have this rebirth. And now, you know, it's coming to this culmination where you're able to kind of not in particular share this story, but have this platform within this podcast to talk about these conversations Mm -hmm. and to really, um open up you know not just my my ability to talk about these things that are not popular or not easy to talk about but right. 
it allows me to talk about it and share it and for other people to hear it and kind of pass that message forward. Like, oh, wow, did you, you know, did you check this thing out? Maybe you should listen to this. Right. Or, you know, I was feeling really down about this. And, and, you know, what gave me strength was, you know, my roommate who's gone through something crazier that I, nothing that I could even ever relate to. But has able has been able to kind of turn it into a positive and turn it into an inspiring thing, and it's just that ability to kind of pass it forward. And in a lot of ways, I mean, that's, and that's what that, Oprah's about, right? That's that's important. Like with that point that you just made, it, if more people would just come to things that they don't understand with a willingness to hear what other people have to say without them trying to, um, you know, make it what they think it should be or right. what they want want it to be. I mean, it would make a big difference because a lot of people uh, don't talk and don't share because there's not a space for them to be really authentically heard. Mm -hmm. Because people don't show up with open hearts and open minds. They show up with their judgments Mm -hmm. and their condemnation and and their preconceived ideas that they can't let go. Right. You know, and so I think... That's that that a lot of people have to take personal their own personal responsibility as to why things play out the way they do in their own lives and their own family. Yeah. Um, and who did you give the space to to share? And right. if they didn't, why didn't they? Right. Uh, you know all of those things. Like yeah, for and, sure. You know one of the things I want to end with as we kind of wrap things up is I came into this um, uh, documentary. Um, with a question of whether or not Oprah's intention for doing um, the show would be met uh, because there would be so much noise I felt mm-hmm. surrounding this um, figure that's larger than life, Michael Jackson, and the noise surrounding whether or not people would be able be able to hear mm-hmm. the message of yeah. what the documentary um, was really about. And, um, you know, I came away with it feeling like you know absolutely it was worth it mm-hmm. uh because uh for me uh personally i saw and i wasn't expecting to see so much of my own growth and uh, process of of how i um came from one space with my abuse to the to the other through this story that these guys were able to share right. and the, and i think the documentary did a brilliant job of taking you through the trajectory of that pain mm-hmm. um, and, and how it can materialize and what it actually looks like when it affects you in, 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 in on so much levels um, right. and, and what it looks like when your soul has been, um, you know, murdered, so to speak, right. um, in that way as a child and, and what you have to deal with it, or the wreckage of it mm-hmm. uh, as an adult. Uh, and so, what do you guys think in terms of that? As far as the the, the um, going into it, and whether or not um, her intention was met for? Yeah, what? I mean, you know, I think we've probably. I mean, I've heard it in my office and other other places where it's like people are like, "Oh, did you see the documentary?" And it's like, "Do you think he did it or not?" And it's like, guess what? That part doesn't matter to me mm-hmm. as much as just understanding. Um, the bigger picture of this issue that is within our society that, mm-hmm. you know, where you grew up was a very much behind closed doors, wasn't talked about and still is in a lot of ways, even here today in our more open society. Right. Um, but I think my biggest takeaway from it was that there are 
it's a lot more complex than people think it is. And it is also something that is a shared experience for people. And it's important to give people the, the, the platform to talk about it. And if, and if, you know, having a documentary about if it, if it needed to be come from this vehicle, that's Michael Jackson, that everybody knows about and everybody can say, Oh, I've heard his music. And in order to get it and raise it to that stage, because it's connected to him, mm-hmm. if it allows for these bigger conversations for other people to inspire other people to to allow you know Oprah to kind of use it as a stage to do it and has has been doing it throughout these all these years, that to me is the lesson. It isn't. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit as much about his estate or whether or not he did it or whether or not I should cancel his music and not listen to his music. Mm-hmm. What I care about is the fact that it's, it allows people to be inspired to recognize that this is happening mm-hmm. and to hopefully, you know, um, give empower people to stop it earlier on in situations w- when they're able to kind of recognize it and see it, whether it's hap- when it's happening to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was something that, that was a big piece for me. And, you know, one thing that we touched on before um, that we haven't necessarily touched on yet in this was, you got to also think about the context of the time when originally when this kind of allegations were coming out, it was early 90s. There was this very um, uh, uh, like kind of a blatant look at you know, black society and being kind of under attack. Right. right. Rodney King situation, uh, Michael Jackson, O.J. Simpson. And you were kind of forced to be dropped on these two different sides of the fence. It's like, oh, they're coming after our heroes. Right. Right. Like, you know, OJ, there's no way OJ did that. Like, mm-hmm. but in retrospect, it's like, man, he probably he probably did that, right. you know. But there was this like blind allegiance, uh-huh. you know, to our culture, and like, so that's why I think, you know, fast forward to now, when people who I idolize Michael, black culture, white culture, whatever it may be, like idolized him as this incredible entertainer and like mm-hmm. person, it was it's really hard for a lot of people to just like stop looking at that particular piece of it that it's michael and really start to look at the overall concept of abuse and molestation and like the seduction and the process and the things that it does to people and how it affects all of us right Mm -hmm. because even though i may not have gone through that experience like having these conversations with you has affected me it's allowed me to feel more comfortable talking about my vulnerabilities talking about uh, mental health issues and, right. and being able to step up and be on the original episode that we we had a while back because admittedly like i don't even, i'm not even big into podcasts necessarily like mm-hmm. my, my best friend he's when i first told him i was on this he was shocked because he's been trying to get me to listen to podcasts for a while so i'm like i'm not i want anything to do with him and he was like Yo. <laughs> he could not believe it i mean he's he's gonna listen to this and he's gonna be dying laughing but um, so you went from you can't even listen to podcasts and now you're on a podcast. Right, right. That's- now I'm on a podcast. <laughs> so I think it's just I think that's one of the lessons that you kind of take away from these things is like forget about whether you think this icon that everybody can relate to and has has affected their lives in one way or another from a music and entertainment standpoint did or didn't do it. Think about have why the dialogue around the bigger topic mm-hmm. allows us 
as individuals to take a better look at our own society, take a better look Mm -hmm. at the darker things that happen, the horrible things that happen, not necessarily darker, I don't want to say that, but like horrible, terrible things that we want to pretend like we try to kind of push into these boxes, right? Like, oh, yeah, molestation. Oh, yeah, racism, bigotry, Mm -hmm. you know, um, homophobia, Mm -hmm. like let's uh that's out there but let's just not talk about them right right this these are the things that kind of make force these conversations to happen and that to me is the most powerful piece it's the catalyst that allows for better open dialogue to truly address the wounds that are happening in our society today and not just continue to push them under the rug Oprah would be so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to reclaim my time, but he took it all from me. <laughs> no. For me personally, I mean, I did not want to watch this documentary. Just, I didn't, I just, it was going back to tell you we're talking about regarding Michael Jackson and stuff. I, I just didn't want to deal with the whole situation. Uh, I already had heard about these guys years ago about the allegations and stuff and these were the guys who were saying nothing happened and then it came back and I was like so I'd heard that pre pre notion of the story so I was like okay and then I was like okay it's gonna be a long it's gonna like part one and part two I'm like God. <laughs> I said the same thing by the way I was like I watched it and it was like it's four hours <laughs> I was like no I gotta put my mind into this if I really wanna watch this but I mean, seeing the how they did the story and how they kind of they kind of if people are really looking at it and trying to not try to be objective, I guess, which is kind of hard to do um, because you talk about being it being Michael Jackson's involved as opposed to somebody who's been accused of child molestation and you have no association with, so it's 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 harder to do it with him so you could see the paths of what they were talking about and how their love for him and the whole situation and how it was easy for them to get brought in I'm not going to go into the whole um, documentary but um, the, the focus again as people talked about is kind of talking about the the topic of molestation and how it happens and how you can see a path, whether or not you believe the Michael Jackson situation, what they talked about kind of fits the mold of what happens to people. Mm -hmm. Um, The seduction. Right. And the grooming and all that kind of stuff. Those are patterns that happened in a lot of situations, but not in all cases, but the pattern of grooming that happens in a lot of situations. So, it kind of shows you how, again, to going back to the situation too, where these were not "quote unquote" violent situations. These children, um, even after situations happened again, they wanted to be back into this person's path. They wanted to be into their lives. They wanted to kind of have those intimate experiences. So, those things are effects of. A molestation on somebody on a young age and how you become, as I said, sexualized at that age and something becomes awakened in your body, you don't know these first-time feelings and 
it's a rush. It's a feeling, something that you enjoy, and you want it again. You can't close the box. Like Somebody moth, happened, like right? A moth to a flame, like, right? So when people talk about these kind of things, and they're like, "Well, with kids, it's like, why don't you say anything?" And people, I don't. People don't understand when people talk. People ask kids about these things, and then kids are not saying, "Oh, yes, it happened to me." People have a hard time understanding why would somebody say, "No, this didn't happen to me," and it did, mm-hmm. because they're protecting the abuser, and it, that that in itself is a whole the psychology, uh, of right? It. It's, a, it's a whole another realm of it. People, because people who haven't experienced it, they don't understand it, especially if something happened to a family member too. Because you think about the not wanting to break up the family, the things that happen, and all that kind of stuff. So. As a child, all that weight is coming on you because you're thinking that you don't want to cause trouble. Mm-hmm. You want you to create, please. You want to you don't you don't want to create anything that's going to cause any confusion. So it's better to say nothing happened than to deal with the effects of what did happen. Because you're in your mind, you're thinking if I say it happened, it's going to open all these doors. It's going to create all these people are going to like me. My family's going to hate me. As a child, all those different things come to you. And you want to not deal with it. So um, from that point of view and from the point of view of what Oprah talked about and um, the situation, I think from her point of view, she's dealt with it before and she's gone through. So she knows the patterns. She's seen things and the things that they talked about. And I, I think she kind of relates to a lot of things that they talked about too. And she can tell whether or not people are... I think it's kind of hard to kind of coach molestation, if that makes any sense. Coach um, your effects of molestation. You can create a story for molestation, but I think to be articulate in the in the depth of talking about something happening to you, if you're making something like that up, you, you have to really, really go through a lot mm. to really make something that depth and the emotion of it all. That's a lot of stuff to go through. You're really a great actor, a really yeah. calculating person. I think yeah. that's what what because I because like I said, like um, I watched it with a healthy bit of uh, of skepticism, but towards this part two, and then the um, the, the the Oprah part really brought it home for me because I started to see more of their pain, right? And that pain is so acute and it's so raw. Yeah. Especially from um, I can't remember the other guy's name, not Wade, but the other guy. His pain Jimmy. is I think his name was Jimmy. Jimmy, yeah. His pain is so right there mm-hmm. on the surface that you could touch it, and he, the the way he's has been was affected by it, it's still you know so visible yeah. and so visceral, yeah. and so I it was it was just kind of like undeniable, mm. um, and it's like nah, you you don't make you can't make that <laughs> you know like and even somebody who I, who I spoke with who doubted it he said but I believe something happened to them because you could see it right I don't know if Michael Jackson did it though but something <laughs> happened to them you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and that's and that's uh, for a lot of people that's what they're wrestling with is like oh my god I can't I can't believe that Michael Jackson would do this but gosh something happened to them though right, right. you know something happened like what happened um and it's kind of like when, when, when like you have experience with somebody and say, well, listen, I don't know that person to be like that. And it's like, okay, well, you're not the person that had the experience with them. 
<laughs> you know? Uh, but people have a hard time having those parallel truths existing. It's like right. they can't have... He either has to be a great musician or a child molester. He can't be both. Why not? Right. Why can't he? Right. Because in our own personal lives, if we take Michael Jackson out of it and we, we look at people in our own lives, our own family, well, okay, you know, that uncle that molested you, uh, he was loved. Everybody loved him, mm-hmm. you know, but he still molested you. Those two things are true. And the, and the things that you love about him, they're true, too. And that's why you love him, right? Mm-hmm. And so the things that you hate about him, that's true, too. And that's why you hate him. And you love him and you hate him for the same reasons that you, you know, the same things that he is. You know, again, good guy, bad guy, same guy. You know, and, and for these guys, that guy is Michael Jackson. And I also kind of feel like it's a very surface level reaction to things yeah you just want to make the decision of Mm -hmm. i'm either going to listen to him or i'm not instead of like doing taking that next step of like recognizing that it's beyond just this individual it's something that's part of our overall makeup as a society of like continuing to move on from the bad things as Mm -hmm. quickly as possible instead of like continuing to have the conversations around them so that you we can, heal. You, we heal and you can yeah. expire because, you know, believe it or not, you were 11 years old and you were watching Oprah for the first time. But then when you actually became part of that experience as 18 years later, mm-hmm. guess what? There were people watching you, you know, and there were people yeah. being inspired by you. Um, and that's where that's why it's important to continue to. As painful it is as it is to 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 try to think about these things and hear about these things and maybe decide one way or the other if you believe it happened or not by this particular individual, who cares? I mean, at that point, as long as people are being inspired to feel empowered and to learn and to mm-hmm. want to talk about it, um, I think that's the biggest lesson. And we'll end it right there. You guys did really good. Thank you. Thank you, Akil. <laughs> Thank you, Over Junior. Voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Akil Johnson, the poet god. Thank you for listening.